All right, welcome to the Teacher Resource Podcast. I'm really excited for this episode today because we have on the program coordinator for the North Coast Teacher Induction Program. So if you're a first or second year teacher in Sonoma County, you probably know her. Patricia Law, how's it How's it going? Hi, Justin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Um, funny story how Patricia ended up on the podcast. I was finishing up my I was finishing up the very last class of BITSA about two or three weeks ago. And after the class was over, I ended up in a conversation with uh, Patricia and she was asking me about my teaching experience and I was telling her about some plans I have for teaching abroad next year. And she told me she had the, you had the opportunity to study abroad when you were doing your undergrad at SF State, right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, I was telling you, Justin, that traveling and going to university uh, is a great opportunity, and it's one of the regrets that I have later as a, a younger teacher is not – I always wanted to do that, to go abroad and teach, and I never did. And the University of Madrid is amazing, and if you're still considering that or any of your listeners are, it's an amazing opportunity that I wouldn't pass up. Yeah, how long, how long did you get the opportunity to set abroad in uh, Madrid? I went to University of Madrid for a summer course, so for three months it was part of a program with San Francisco State, Um, and it was a great program because we went to the university in the mornings for language classes, and then in the afternoons they took us to cultural trips all around. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah, we went to San Sebastian, uh, Segovia, Granada. Um, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity from folks who lived there. And there's, I mean, I grew up with Spanish a bit, but until I was there and completely immersed, that was probably the first and only time since that I started thinking in Spanish, which is, you know, really, (laughs) you've reached a new level when you're able to get to your language study there. Yeah. And everyone I've talked to about um, acquiring a new language says, you know, you can do your programs online um, and all that stuff. But really, if you want to learn that new language, you you essentially need to immerse yourself in the culture. You need to live in a place where you're kind of forced to speak Spanish. Because I remember my time in Madrid. I only went to Madrid. I went to Madrid last summer, but it was a pretty short time. I was only there for around 10 days or so, but it's pretty nerve wracking, um, you know, trying to make yourself speak Spanish when you know that what you're saying is just, you're just kind of probably off and people are, natives are laughing at you, but that's all here there. Sounds like a great experience. So you got your BA in development psychology from SF State and right when you, um, right when you got your degree, did you know you wanted to go straight into teaching? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, as a younger, as a kid, I used to like play teacher with my brother. My brother's about a year younger than I, and I always loved like giving him quizzes and um, grading his paper. And <laughs> but I, um, no, I really didn't realize that I wanted to become a teacher until later, and uh, it was more of a kind of like, oh, yeah, of course. Um, uh-huh. I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. I grew up in Sonoma County, kind of a Sonoma County native, and uh, actually hadn't really planned well to go off to college. My dad was a big force in that, uh, sure. in a good way. Right. <laughs> um, and um, I started to do my general ed 
classes and one of the classes I took was a psychology course and I just loved it just the study of human beings and and I still love that today just kind of watching people and figuring out how they tick and so I decided to move forward with a developmental psychology degree and loved it absolutely loved it um, but I didn't want to be in school that long, which is ironic because now I have my EDD and I've been in school forever. <laughs> but um, right. at that point in my early um, 20s, I was like, you know, I just don't want to be in school as long as a psychologist, my perception would take. And um, I thought my perception of a psychologist was that it was um, someone who was a little bit more passive, that people would come in and talk to you and, you know, kind of some of the stereotypical things we see where you're like, uh-huh, okay, tell me more. <laughs> sure. Um, and that wasn't, I, I wanted something more active and I wanted something more creative. And I um, loved learning about and wanted to work with adolescents. So somewhere in my senior year, at San Francisco State with the BA, I thought, oh, like it's teaching, right? Because I get to work with adolescents. I'd always loved reading and writing, so English was a natural focus for me. And I and it would give me some creativity and more activity to really have an impact on on teenagers. And that's what I wanted to do. And so it was more it was more of a realization after some reflection about what my interests were and what my skills were. And it was like, oh, yeah, teaching, of course, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah, and that's so interesting with your background in psychology. You see a lot of um, adults with psychology degrees end up in teaching. I know both my parents were uh, psych majors. And I was I essentially had a story that's really similar to you, yours where I was kind of thinking of going down that psychology route with kind of that same fascination of just how the mind works and, mm -hmm. and being able to observe and being able to have conversations and help. But I think you hit it up perfectly when you said at the end of the day, it's, you know, it, to be on your feet and to be able to kind of build that class and lead a group. It, I mean, I think there's a feeling that like that, that that's, I'm not sure it's really matched. Um, right. Yeah. So I thought, yeah, that's great. So you ended up with, so you did your credential program at Sonoma State for your single subject in English and multiple subject. Can you talk about what that experience is like having those two credentials and going through that program? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I came home to Sonoma County and enrolled uh, in SSU for the credential program. I knew I wanted to focus on English, like I said, because I'd always enjoyed reading and writing. And I felt like having that um, as a subject would afford me the creativity of, of curriculum development, um, because I wanted to kind of get in there and like create things and it didn't, I thought, Oh, again, my perception was if I'm teaching math or something else, it's more cut and dry, black and white. Here's what you have to teach. And it, I thought English, which it is, was just uh, more flexible. Sure. Um, and I had a BA in psychology. So I wanted to make sure that I was really prepared to teach English subject wise. So I did at the time, Sonoma State offered a single subject waiver program, which was, I think, about 30 units, um, it was kind of the equivalent of a, a BA um, in English. So mm -hmm. I took those courses at the same time I took uh, the teaching credential prep program. 
and then made a decision mostly out of making myself more marketable to take the exam, the state exam for the multiple subjects credential. Okay. And passed that. It um, was never my intention to teach elementary. Uh, elementary and secondary teachers in general tend to be very different people. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very different from one another. And I knew and have, and it was <laughs> confirmed later that I am definitely not an elementary <laughs> teacher. I am most definitely a secondary teacher. But that um, having both of those credentials helped me later in life after I um, went forward with my career and was looking for some other opportunities. Having both credentials certainly did make me more marketable, which was my goal. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking for that kind of to have that flexibility is great as I'm applying for these abroad positions, making yourself as marketable as possible is obviously kind of the way to go. But that's interesting that you from what I'm understanding, you attached your multiple subject after doing the single subject um, waiver program, because correct me if I'm wrong. Now, going through Sonoma State, you need to do the multiple once you do the multiple subject credential program, you can then attach a single subject credential with that by taking a certain amount of units and passing us passing the CSET in that single subject program. But I, I don't think from what I understand, there's a way to flip that where you can attach a multiple subject um, credential. I think you need to go through a multiple subject credential program nowadays. Right. Yeah, it's much more defined and specialized um, today than it was then. Back mm-hmm. then it was, um, you know, and this is uh, 25 years ago, it was a credential program which focused mostly on big picture classroom management and yeah. Goji, yeah, and the um, you did other coursework or an exam to add the specific credential. Got it. What was the exam? The CSET or was this pre pre CSET? It was pre CSET for sure, and I don't remember what the acronym was for it. Then it was a specific multiple subjects exam, Mm -hmm. but I'm not remembering the title. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Um, yeah, I, I won't go into the, the CSA. I, I don't have any strong, strong feelings on it, but I know some people have had a, had a tough time. It definitely is yeah. a pretty lengthy test, especially with the multiple subject when you're going through all those. But anyways, okay. you, you ended up with your single subject, a multiple subject, um, credential from SSU. And then did, and then you went straight into the classroom teaching high school English. I did. Yes. I started as what they called a super sub at Piner High School. Um, They were going through establishing their professional learning communities. They had received some funding. And um, so they were turning over from a more traditional setting to one of um, kind of schools within a school and hired me on full time as a sub. So I went every day but I didn't necessarily know what classroom I was going to go in. Oh my in. gosh, that is um, crazy. Yeah, it was, but it was actually really cool. I really enjoyed it because um, I, I had the security of one school. I mean, I got to know the school very well. Uh-huh. And it was great, actually, to go into different classrooms. Um, sure, a little daunting when you don't know subject area, but, you know, <laughs> teachers left plans. And just to be able to go into multiple different classrooms and subjects while they were doing this really neat stuff with PLCs was exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and that, so I was there for, in that role for a time. And then they hired me on as a 60% English teacher. And I worked primarily with seniors. And I loved that. I think if new teachers have an opportunity to start out teaching in a part-time position, which is, I know, near impossible given um, the pay. Mm -hmm. But if it's possible, I recommend it. It was a great way because teaching is so demanding um, to get into the classroom and not um, be so overwhelmed with a full-time load. Um, I had a great time there at Pioneer developing some of the curriculum and working with seniors was amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there, I moved on to Rancho Cotati High School. They That was kind of where I grew up as a teacher, I say. They hired me. Uh, that was my first full-time position at Rancho, and I was there in the English department, taught peer helping, and dabbled a little bit in history and art. Um, and there were some really good teachers at that school. Yeah, and it looks like you had some experience with uh, student leadership in ASB, and you just mentioned the peer helping. I- I'd love to hear about your experience with that. It's not an area I'm super familiar with, but I, you know, I love the concept. I love the idea of students getting involved and having an impact on the choices that are made in the school. So could you talk a little bit about what it was like um, doing student leadership in ASB? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the peer helping program was a little bit uh, different from the ASB and student activities that I did in Windsor. Um, while at Rancho, there was a peer helping program Um, and there's, at the time there were some trainings for these peer helping classes, um, that I I took part in and then took to the school. Uh, it was an elective class, Uh grades nine through 12, and it had a little bit more of a counseling focus to it. And so peer helpers, um, they helped both on campus and within the community. And the focus was some community service, um, you know, things on bullying and um, making sure students felt safe, some tutoring. So kids would come into this class and kind of learn some skills, uh, more counseling focus, like how to listen and how to support and where to find resources. And then they went out either on their own or in pairs or small groups to take on a project that that was of interest to them. So that, that was really, um, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm sure it, it sounds a lot. It sounds similar to um, like project based learning and just the practicality of it is is great because all those skills you're talking about, um, whether it's kind of the, that listening, speaking, being able to ask questions, go out and have conversations. <laughs> those are all skills that, you know, should be taught in school and students are really going to need later, later on in life. So that that's awesome. I really like that. Um experience, but can, can we hear a little more about the uh, elementary experience um, that you had? And you said you were an elementary teacher for, was it one year? Yes, for one year. That was my most recent um, teaching experience okay. uh, about uh, five years ago here in Windsor, in the Windsor Unified School District, which is um, where I came from Rancho and spent four years in the classroom as a teacher and then went into administration um, and did some different roles in administration um, and then earned my doctorate degree and kind of felt like I had done everything that I wanted to do 
within the district. I never wanted mm-hmm. to be a superintendent. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so looking for opportunities and looking to perhaps move from the district and again, wanting to be more marketable, I took on a third grade um, teaching position at Windsor Creek. And uh, I said earlier, the boy, secondary and elementary, they're just very different, um, very, very different animals. And, um, you know, none of my tricks that worked with (laughs) high school, uh, none of them worked with elementary. Uh And, you know, and it's particularly in third grade, you can't be sarcastic. They, They don't get that. Like feelings get hurt when an adult is sarcastic. Um, and I'm, um, I'm really good with adolescents. I think I, you know, can like, I get them and I am able to be respectful, but kind of have some boundaries. Um, and elementary kids, they're just little lovers, you know, they just want to love you. And, um, you know, they'll come into the classroom and they'll, um, they'll want to hug you when they've never met you and they want to hug you. Right. <laughs> That to me is like, I, wow. Um, (laughs) it's not, it's not what I'm like thrown to be. Um, and you know, they come in and they give you pictures and they want to give you gum and, uh, flowers that they've picked and they're, um, it, it, it just wasn't, um, it really wasn't my thing. I I think I'm much more effective with an older crowd. They, They were great kids. It just, um, and I don't think they knew. I mean, we had a great year together. I had some fabulous parent volunteers that brought in sewing machines and we made quilt. I mean, oh, a cool. fabulous year. Yeah. But, yeah. But at the end, um, if my, I really, really, really like working with adolescents and particularly adolescents that are um, have some challenges. You know, with my psych degree, um, I kind of like working with those kids that just have challenges and I, mm-hmm. I think I'm good at it. And I missed, um, not that there isn't a place for love in the world, but I think I missed, you know, loving, uh, in a different way, you know, kind of the tough love is more my specialty and a much better fit at the high school level. Yeah. And when you talk to other teachers, uh, you hear a lot about third grade kind of being that sweet spot. And when I left my student teaching, I was, I I did my full time in a fifth grade and my part time in a second grade. And I was thinking that I wanted to do third grade kind of like, Oh, thinking along the lines of, you know, the kids are still, the kids are really excited to be there. They love, they love you. They're, you know, X, Y, and Z. So I was like, yeah, third grade could be for me. But now with my experience um, at the school I'm at, which is I'm teaching, I'm teaching all age ranges. So I, I teach language arts and my group is anywhere from, so our youngest guy is seven years old and our oldest guy is 17 years, 17 years old. Wow. So I'm teaching four different groups that are rotating through my class. And I have to say just the appeal of having older students in the class and being able to have those conversations like we're reading we're reading holes right now doing uh-huh. a read aloud with it and like there's just been some fantastic conversations that I feel like you're just not able to have I mean you know yeah. with the with the age development when Absolutely. you kind of go down in those lower grades and talking to my um both my parents are have been sixth grade teachers for a long time and they they've had the same experience and whenever I ask them you know why do you like teaching sixth grade the selling point is always because they're more mature they can yes. you know build off what you're saying and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so. absolutely. They light up in a different way. I mean, mm-hmm. it's 
it, you know, it's great to do cool things with the younger grades where maybe you're teaching them concepts um, and, and sure life skills that um, they haven't gotten yet. But yeah. To, to, yeah, be able to match a little bit in conversations and um, those life skills kind of character ed you know, where like, you know, a kid is struggling and you've reached them. Like you've been able to provide them mm -hmm. with something that they will take beyond the classroom. Like that's what really, um, for me lights me up as a teacher. Yeah. And that is, that is really so, so powerful. And I'm just as a final comment, I'm thinking back to like, I think I would do third grade right now. Second grade would be kind of pushing it. But I think once I got below second grade, like first grade in kindergarten, I have so much respect for those uh, teachers oh out there because it's essentially, you know, if you're teaching students who, who are uh, learning to read is, and I mean, that's one of the most rewarding things I'm sure you can do such an important mm -hmm. skill, obviously, but that that's so challenging, you know, when you have a, when you have a group of kids, you're trying to lead 20, 25 kids who don't, don't know how to read. I, you know, I don't know how they do it. So prop, props to them, but you end up, so you do that one year um, of third grade teaching in Windsor and then you, and then you went into an administration role with your admin credential. No, actually, no. Um, third grade was the last teaching uh, that I did uh, about five years ago, um, but I was in administration before that. Oh, so, okay. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. No, that's okay. Um, so I taught at Rancho Cotati High School for um, a couple of years and was recruited by a principal from Windsor High School. He was starting a new high school here in Windsor, which is um, where I live. And uh, he'd gotten my name from um, somebody in Rotary, said, hey, you should, you know, check out this teacher. And um, so Jeff Harding, he was the original principal of Windsor High when they were building it here in the 90s. And he said, you know, I got your name. I, I'm work opening a high school here in Windsor and thought you might be interested in checking it out. And of course it was flattering to kind of be <laughs> recruited and right. um, appealing because it was in my hometown. And mm -hmm. so I met with him and um, really liked him as a principal. And um, the school was, you know, brand new and um, yeah, couldn't, couldn't resist. So mm -hmm. it was hired, uh, at Windsor high as an English and a student activities leadership teacher, um, in their second year opening. And it was amazing. I mean, there were, you know, when I started, there were only ninth and 10th graders cause they were building grades on each year. Yeah. And I really got to build things from the ground up. It was an exciting time. Oh, and, that's such an amazing opportunity just to go uh, into something yeah. so fresh. And I'm sure the numbers you're working with are, are lower, you know, so you yes. really feel like you can kind of mold and shape. Yes. It was a special time. There were, you know, maybe 200 kids and I knew everybody's name, even if they weren't in my classes. And, oh, cool. Uh, yeah. And just the student activities leadership was, um, you know, kind of like the peer helping, but, um, more activities based fundraising, school dances, ASB president, things like that. And I mm -hmm. enjoyed that and was teaching leadership skills. And, um, so I did that for, um, I, I was teaching for a while there when the principal again kind of called me into his office, I think my second year there and said, Hey, have you ever considered administration? Like going back and getting your administrative credential. Mm -hmm. And I said, Oh yeah, I've thought about it.
about it. You know, people had always said to me since I started teaching, you know, you, you seem like an administrator, like you should look at that. And I had always said, Oh no, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> because, uh, my, my perception of an administrator was that they were focused mostly on discipline. <laughs> sure. not, right. not what I wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, this principal was again, somebody I really admired as an administrator. He did not do administration ways I had seen it done before. Mm-hmm. Um, he was much more visionary and, so I, you know, kind of, I was like, oh, um, well, yeah, I thought about it. And he said, you should, you should go back and get it. And I, I why? <laughs> and, um, he said, well, you know, you're able to really look at things big picture, but then backwards plan them in detail. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, that kind of systems thinking is not one that's common. And, um, and he was right, as I realized and have over time that you typically have people who are really big picture thinkers, or you have ones who are very detailed. It's hard to find somebody who blends those two. Right. Um, and I thought, well, why not? You know, let me, I, I can go back and what, what's the worst that's <laughs> going to happen? I'll just go back into the classroom, which I love. Anyway. Uh-huh. Because at this point, you already have your, you have your master's. Um, no, no, no. No. Okay. So this is your first kind of going back um, yes, post-credential. Yes. Okay. Got right. it. Right. So I'd been teaching probably for maybe four years mm-hmm. before this came up. Yeah. And um, so, I, yeah, I went back to school and Sonoma State was offering uh, an admin master's um, blended program. Mm, So I, yeah, so I enrolled in that. Um, and then before I completed the program, I was hired as the vice principal at Windsor high school. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. And, um, I ended up not at the time completing the master's portion of the program because the new job, um, just proved to, be more than I could handle with, you know, an admin master's and new job as VP. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about that experience of still holding, still holding a job, whether you were teaching at that point or moving into that vice principal role while going back uh, to school? I mean, this is, I'm sure there weren't, I, I don't think there'd be online classes. So I'm sure you'd be, you know, having to drive back and forth after a long day of teaching. What, what was that like? Yeah, that's tough. I've done that um, three times in my career where I was employed or teaching. Um, one was then when I was doing the admin master's and a new job. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then my first year as principal, I went back to school to finish the master's. But it was my first year as principal and I was pregnant. <laughs> um, and then I went back to school for my doctorate degree while I was full time working in a district. So wow. that's, yeah, it's, <laughs> those are tough times, but you know, you, you adapt. It's funny because I look back on those times now and I think, how the heck did I ever do that? I, you know, some of my classes were, were seven to 10 at night at right. Sonoma State. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and the coursework and, um, 
you know, you've got some programs who are really great about making it applicable and what you do in your daily life and in your job. And some are not, some of it's a lot of, uh, writing and studying and, um, it's tough, but, um, but it's doable. And I, I think as human beings, it's amazing how much we really can adapt when there's something that we, we want to accomplish. Yeah. Yeah. And I think back, I mean, I think to my own experience, I'm, I'm 24 right now and I was really close to going back and getting my special ed credential. So I have a multiple subject credential and, um, I'm teaching at a special ed school. So I was on an emergency credential at my school. Yeah, we were figuring out something where I was going to go back to Sonoma State. This it would have been this year and uh, do the special ed credential, do the special ed credential program, which would have been a two year long program. As I was teaching, and I applied to the program, and I went through the interview process and everything, and I really thought I was going to do it. And at the at the end of the day, I just I, I held up a little bit, and I totally think, as you're saying, I, I'm confident that I could have done it and gone through it and done what needs to be done. But I just said, you know what, I'm just going to hold off for. As I'm yeah. you know, only 24, I I, um, I I think I'm going to hold off. But I have a, I have so much respect for the, that you were able to go through that uh, the masters, the doctorate, the admin credential. That's pretty amazing that, to have all those thank things. You. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Of course. Um, so you're assistant principal at at Windsor High, and mm-hmm. and then and then when did you make the jump to um, to becoming principal? I was um, an assistant principal at Windsor High School for about four years. Um, my first year in was really hard. Um, I um, was at Windsor High School, like I said, um, I think for about four years previous to that. Um, and close staff, you know, because people had come in and built the program together. And as staff, because they had built the school along with a principal from the ground up, were kind of outspoken people. They felt very passionate about um, the school, and they weren't afraid to speak up, mm-hmm. um, And which is great. You know, that's a great quality, but can also be hard when teachers make a jump from the classroom to administration. Sure. And uh, it was an interesting experience to um, move from being a teacher to being a vice principal on the same school site. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's, it seemed to change overnight. You know, people, some people would joke and say, oh, you've, you've moved over to the dark side. Right. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of like you walk into the staff room and people stop talking. <laughs> I'm sure that's always a pleasant <laughs> feeling, right? You're like, oh, man, right. this is great. Right. And, um, and that was odd to me because I had not changed as a human being. And I knew these people. And. I mean, things were good. It's, you know, a great school. It was new. There was a lot of camaraderie. Um, but it is interesting for, for your listeners who are considering moving into an administrative position from teaching, particularly on the same site. Something to know is that there's just this perception out there. It doesn't matter what... Um, how good you are or how close you think people are. When you become an administrator, there are some negative connotations and perceptions that go with that. And um, some of them, yeah, were that I, I couldn't be trusted, you know, that they, I couldn't, they couldn't tell me things anymore. (laughs) Um, And then, 
on the flip side, which was interesting, where um, it seemed that people thought I had swallowed some sort of a magic pill and immediately knew everything. Mm -hmm. So uh, <laughs> people would come to me and ask me questions that, that I had about policies and budget, and I had no idea. And it was like just because I moved from the classroom to being administrator – like, oh, you should now know everything. Right. So, um, yeah, so that, that first year was a challenge. It wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be, and I actually considered going back to the classroom. Mm -hmm. um, and in my second year as an administrator, we would always do a retreat. We would go up to Marconi Center as an administrative staff in the district. And I remember oh. taking that year and looking over the water at Tamales Bay and really needing to think about shifting my thinking um, about the job if I was going to continue being administrator. Uh, as a teacher, I was used to having my own classroom and pretty much making my own decisions. Yep. As an administrator, you don't you no longer get to do that. You you really there's a whole other set of um, guidelines, policies, laws, ed code, people, you know, that you have to consider. And I felt like I was um, a, a complaint taker mm -hmm. and I was frustrated my first year because all these things I wanted to do, I never had time to do. It was, I was extremely busy. Uh, there was discipline, but there were other things, safety reports and other things that had to be done. And I felt like, you know, I was juggling so many things, but I never got anything done. And mm -hmm. for me, very product oriented, that was frustrating because I just felt incomplete. And I was frustrated when people would come by and just want to complain, students, parents, teachers. And it didn't feel productive mm -hmm. to me that I was just sitting listening to people. It was kind of like being a therapist. <laughs> and, um, right. and, and so in that second year, I really chose to think differently about it. And the, the thinking process was, no, this is the job. The job is you are a complaint taker. And if all you do is listen to people so that they have a chance to process and talk, you are doing your job that you are being productive. Oh, that's such an interesting uh, shift in, in mindset. And I absolutely love that. And that just seems like the way you're going to, you know, help best serve people. And, you know, you, you, I'm sure you take action on some of the complaints, but I've shared some of the other times, some people just kind of need um, someone to kind of like vent at or, or something like that, whether it's, you know, a teacher or, or a parent or a student. But I mean, I'm sure that I had to, uh, and did you find that to be kind of burdensome being that kind of person where people are coming to talk to you about that? Or when you had that shift in mindset and you like, accepted and took on that role, were you able to, were you able to kind of manage that like with your own emotions and your own happiness? Yeah, it made all the difference. Let me tell you, I'm a strong believer in that, that, you know, the world happens around you and it will happen however it's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And it is your perception and what you make it mean for yourself. You may make it mean something different, but I get to choose what I make it mean mm -hmm. and how I experience it. And that has made all the difference. So mm -hmm. yes, whereas before I was like, oh my God, I'm getting nothing done and this is a drag. Once I was able to shift my own mindset and make a choice to believe that this is my purpose and this is what I'm doing, then from then on, it was, it, it, yeah, it changed everything in how I did administration. 
Yeah, that that's great. And I mean, essentially, you're talking about your you still have on the same roles and responsibilities, and your your day to day might look the same, but the way yeah, the way you're perceiving it is different. And then then that made all the difference. So did that like really kind of turn you on to administration? Or I mean, I'm sure it, it helped. You ended up, and then can you talk a little more about how long you ended up in that administration role on um, a school site as either vice principal or principal? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, yeah, and it really did shift things for me. Um, and I, and I found that, um, taking on the mindset, although you're right, I still have the other responsibilities. Those didn't go away, but they just look differently. So, you know, whereas I still have things to do, I found that if I like made an appointment, like I would block out on my calendar, I'm going to go do walkthroughs of classroom, which was great because I got to get, get out there, see the kids, see what people were doing. Yeah. And teachers would still complain to me, uh-huh. but it actually was a time saver because they would have complained to me anyway. And this way I was like, you know, kind of being able to cut things off before they became bigger problems. Sure, sure. Uh, so, yeah, so that mind shift made a huge difference. And when I was able to take, again, my skills of kind of just working with difficult situations or people and really apply it to like, no, this is the job and you can really do something with this in a positive way, um, which appeals to my psych you know, aspect than it really worked. Um, so yeah, so I was in, uh, at Windsor high school as an assistant principal. Um, I finished the administrative, uh, credential within the first year, but again, I had set aside the master's um, degree. I just found that to be too much. And then, um, the principal there, who was the founding principal, a well-loved principal, well-respected, um, decided that he wanted to move on to district administration. Mm-hmm. And um, so they asked me to step into the role of principal. And wow. <laughs> <Yeah>. um, exciting. <laughs> very exciting, very flattering, and very scary. I mean, it's it there's a big difference between being an assistant principal and and the principal. Yeah. You know, the, yeah, the principal has so much more responsibility for um vision and and leadership and an assistant principal is really supporting that, but to take the lead is quite a mm-hmm. shift. Because then it's kind of, it's your, it's your vision. It's, you know, what, and I'm sure that means if things aren't going as, you know, as planned or people are kind of perceiving it's not matching up to their perceptions, then that kind of, you know, falls on the the head person. So yeah, that, that's a a lot of responsibility. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but I, I did that. Um, and like I said, I was, um, pregnant and, um, had decided to go back to school. I didn't like that the master's was undone or incomplete. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to finish the master's degree. Um, so yeah, master's degree pregnant and my first year as principal. <laughs> great. Um, That's a great combination. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was great. Um, and it, it was, it went well. Um, I, it was a great experience. I loved being principal and I really, uh, loved the shift in uh, being a visionary and um, taking on some of those roles at that level. Um, and so I did that for four years. And then um, Windsor had a, or still has, um, Windsor Oaks Academy, which they now call North Bay Met. Um, it's a small alternative school. Mm-hmm. And, um 
I went into a director of alternative ed. So a little bit after four years as principal, a little bit different, a district position, but still acting principal at the alternative or continuation high school, um, which I loved because, as I said earlier, um, kids that have kind of some challenges are ones that I most enjoy working with. So that was an exciting shift for me to move in as a director of alternative ed and work there as principal. And I also worked with independent study, Mm -hmm. home and hospital. Uh, At that time, we had a teen parent program in the district. So it was just it was a neat shift for me and gave me a whole new set of um, good challenges and experience. Yeah, that's really interesting hearing about the alternative ed. I had no idea um, the experience you have working with kind of that student population. And, and the school I'm currently at is a non-public, and we do we do a residential program. So it's for a lot of students who are you know at risk, um, at risk youth, and have had troubled kind of home lives. And it, well, I had no idea what I was kind of getting into, but I've mm-hmm. I've, I've found myself really. Um, really kind of drawn to that crowd. And I've, I've thought about it a lot, kind of what appeals about that. And I, I think maybe there's just something where, you know, there's, um, there's a hole in these kids' lives where they don't have, they haven't had that st- stability as a, as a child or, or what have you. And they haven't kind of had that figure and you're able to kind you're able to step in and, and be impactful and be meaningful and kind of help fill that, um, gap. And I, that's just something that really appeals to me working with that population. That's good. It really has to. I mean, that's the kind of educator that we need. I, I mean, as you know, teaching is really about the heart. And if your heart isn't in a place where you want to make an impact with the kids who need it most, mm-hmm. and, I mean, to me, that's that's really where it's at. And I, you know, schools that put their best and brightest teachers with their best and brightest students, such a disservice because your best and brightest teacher should be with your neediest kids. But you got to find the right teacher for that because some teachers just don't have the fortitude or the commitment to be able to kind of withstand the challenges that come with working with kids. Sure. And, the, and the, they're there, you know, when I, I'm not, I don't want to paint like this picture that it's all, it's all rosy, my very limited experience oh, oh. Of, of teaching. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're there, but it's like kind of what you were, it's like what you were saying earlier, just about that mindset. I think if you're a teacher and your mindset is, uh, I just need to get through this day or I just need to get through this week, it's almost Friday, then your, your days are kind of going to turn out like that. You're just kind of struggling yep. through time. But if you come in with kind of that open-minded approach and broad ad- or a broad-minded attitude, um, trying to be there as a supporter and helper, then you can have some success. Um, but so, yeah, so you're a principal at, you're a principal at the alternate ed school. And then, and then can you walk us through your decision to, uh, to leave your job as principal and, and start working for the, for Sonoma County office of, of education and fill in any gaps, please. <laughs> if I'm, if I'm missing anything. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I, um, had been in Windsor, um, I think 14 years in Windsor and had just kind of capped out, you know, I had done, um, everything I wanted to do. And, um, in 2012, I went back for my, um, doctorate degree at the Candell program, who at that point it was Davis and Sonoma state. Um, and, uh, Paul Porter was 
he ended up being the chair of my dissertation, but I had worked with him for my master's and I had worked with him in my admin and just much respect for that man. And, um, he had said that this, you know, EDD program was coming online and I, I just, I missed, um, it had been a couple of years since my master's. I finished the master's in 2005 and I missed the dialogue and the talk and the philosophy uh, you don't always get that on a site, you know, right. teaching can be, um, very, you're in isolation and you don't always, unless you make some time for it, have those deeper conversations about why we do what we do. And I missed that. And so I, I went back to school for the doctorate program, loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, and after completing, it was just kind of looking for some new opportunities. Like I said, I, th- I feel like I'd been in Windsor a long time. I mm-hmm. like the Windsor district immensely, but I just felt like I had done all I wanted to do and was looking for some new opportunities. Um, and I always had wanted to work with new teachers. I actually went through um, BITSA, you know, now called teacher induction, but at the time was a pizza pilot program when I first started teaching at Rancho. And it was the same pro- program, but it wasn't required. They were they were piloting it at that point. And I had done that and had a great experience with my mentor. And um, I had done some of my own mentoring as a teacher and just really liked working with new teachers and thought, well, I, I want to keep my eye out on the county and see, you know, what opportunities might be there that maybe I could work with or be a part of. And... Um, Some folks I had known from Windsor had uh, moved over. One of them was Steve Harrington, who, of course, is our county superintendent. So he was superintendent in Windsor when I was there, and then he moved over into the county superintendency. And uh, Karen Ricketts, who's the executive director for North Coast School of Ed, had come from Windsor as well. And uh, I went and met with Dr. Harrington and said, you know, I'm just looking for new opportunities. Um, And he suggested connecting with Karen. And um, Karen said, well, you know, I don't have anything at this point uh, except like a document reader, an inquiry document reader. And I thought, yeah, you know, well, why not try that and see how that goes? Yeah. And um, did that for a year. And then they had a position open as a program coordinator for Sonoma County. And it sounded really interesting. And I went and interviewed for it and got the position. And we have just grown from a teacher induction program um, which, as you know, is for clearing credentials. Some new teachers go through kind of a traditional um, prep, and then they have two years, according to the state, to clear and get their professional um, credential. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we've started there, and in the five years that I've been there now, uh, we have grown from a North Coast teacher induction program to a North Coast School of Education, which not only still clears general ed and ed specialist credentials, but also offers our own intern program. 
right? And, so, that, and that's fairly recent, right? When, yes. When was that program um, started? Um, we started, we actually have our first graduating class of ed specialist teachers um, in a month or so. Oh, exciting. <laughs> yeah, very exciting. Great group. It was one cohort, so about 30 teachers. And we partnered with Tulare program or and their county office as a pilot program. Uh-huh. So before we were accredited by the state, we learned from them as like a satellite. Um, and so that was three years ago. And since then, um, we've added uh, five new cohorts. So every January, uh, last January, we opened up another multiple subject, single subject combined cohort, another ed specialist. And the year before we had three cohorts of um, those three credentials go through. So, and now we're accredited by the state. We're running our own program. And this year we actually, uh, now we satellite and mentor other counties. So we have satellites in Lake Mendocino and Santa Cruz counties where they take our program and we are working and teaching with them so that they can have their own intern programs in mm-hmm. those counties. Wow, that's so that's so exciting. I didn't know it was expanding um, at oh, yeah. that rate. I, there's a teacher at my school who's actually going through the um, the yeah the North Coast or the intern program right now for special ed. So I, I definitely, I did look into it. Are, are you pretty involved? Are you pretty involved with, with that? Or are you more on the, um, working with first and second year teachers? Or is it kind of a blend of, of both? Right. Yeah. I actually have my fingers in everything. Yeah. That, that's <laughs> out, that, yeah, I could definitely right. see that. Sounds right. like it. It doesn't surprise you. I'm right. sure. <laughs> um, yeah, I started out working, uh, just overseeing the North coast teacher induction program. Um, for Sonoma County, but I was a program coordinator too. Uh, so that means that part of my role was to also work with other program coordinators. Uh, North Coast is a we're the second largest induction program in the state of California. Um, so at, at we have a regional program. We're at Del Norte, Humboldt, Lake Mendocino, Nevada, Sonoma counties, um, some in Alameda. Um, so we are expanding, and each of those counties have a coordinator who oversees induction there. Mm-hmm. And in my role, I work with those program coordinators to teach them in facilitating and um, working with candidates and participants. Um, but we also have an intern program uh, outside of our own intern program where teachers maybe are going to Sonoma State or USF. Mm-hmm. And um, so, you know, work with mentors. So I have slowly grown in my five years from simply Sonoma County to working with the interns and then our be it intern program, um, working with accreditation and our new programs um, with induction. There's yeah. So yeah. anything that is under North Coast. I love being a part of and and have the great pleasure to be able to do so. Yeah, and I mean that's just that's such an interesting experience, and I'm I'm sure it's something that would have been tough for you to picture out, you know, ten years ago or whatever when you're getting your 
admin credential, but it kind of seems like the theme of the podcast has been when you have all these different, um, when you have all these different credentials, you're opening yourself up to so many different opportunities. I mean, you have the masters, you have the doctorate, you have the single subject, you have the multiple subject. And as you were saying earlier, it's work to go through all those. But once you have that and you have that experience kind of under your belt, it seems like the horizon just broadens so, so much. Yeah, I would agree with you, Justin. I, I do see that as kind of a theme throughout it all. It's, you know, the the education, the experience opens up doors. And, uh, you know, this this job I love and it fulfills me in ways I never thought possible. And mm-hmm. to just be able to have the experience and the credentialing at all levels. So for your listeners who have those opportunities to um, add another credential or a supplementary authorization, you know, maybe it's a different subject on a single subject or professional development, go to a training Mm -hmm. and, you know, learn more about a particular area. It's not surprising, um, but worth saying that as an educator, you always just want to stay current, not only for the good of your kids, but just for the good of you too. Like you never know when there's going to be something that comes up. Maybe it's the University of Madrid that you (laughs) want to have an opportunity at. And the more um, that you can experience Um, it's not just about broadening the theme to be more marketable. It's really about broadening the theme to be more in your own life, you know, to Mm -hmm. show up in a way that you really like want to. And that's so, um, powerful to be able to craft your own life the way you want to, because you've, you've done what you can to go out and do those experiences and get mm-hmm. that education. Yeah. And it doesn't seem like something that you can, you can fake your way through. It, it comes through that. Um, it comes through that experience, but I do want to be respectful of your time, Patricia. You, uh, we've been going for a solid hour. This has all been such fantastic information. Um, I do have some kind of rapid fire questions. If you're, um, sure. if you're yeah available to, to end the podcast uh, that way to totally put you on the spot. Um, oh, okay. Sounds good. I'm ready. Okay. Okay. So I'll just list off a couple. Um, so you have a lot of, uh, sorry, I'm looking right here. Okay. So you've done a lot of teacher observations as assistant principal, principal, and all these other roles. Is there any kind of one particular thing that you look for in a teacher or is it a broad range of things? Number one thing I look for in a teacher is flexibility. Are they able to bounce back? Like, I think that's the number one thing that teachers need is flexibility. So that means when your lesson plan's not going uh, as planned, you don't power through, you got that backup, we're rolling with it, we're going to do this, we're going to do that, we're going to change it that way. I I love that answer. Flexibility's great. What do you miss most about not being in the classroom? Uh, The one-to-one that you have with kids. Like Mm -hmm. there's kind of the heart-to-heart impact with kids, with adolescents and particular. Yeah. That's what I miss the most. Yep. I could definitely see that. Uh, to totally put you on the spot. Um, (laughs) at this point I'm looking back at this question I might, and would you ever, would you ever consider going back into the classroom? Um, I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I teach now, uh, you know, I teach adults and I love that I teach in the intern program. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and I teach in the induction program. They're very different teachers. So I love, feel like I'm in the classroom still with adult learners. I would not go back to elementary. That is just not my scene. Right. Um, I may, I may go back, but I kind of doubt it. I think, um, I think my interests are more on design of programs. Uh, I would be willing to like work with teenagers more on a one-to-one or small group if there were like a charter school or I started my own school or yeah. you know something like that but probably not back into the classroom for elementary or secondary sure sure yeah next question next question going the opposite direction is there any kind of is there any spe- specific moment or te- teaching moment or learning segment that really stands out to you as as really powerful a way you got through to a kid or a group of kids yeah, there's there's quite a few, but my um my all time favorite again at Windsor High, um, it was the first rain of the season, and it was storming, and it was very distracting. Kids were really not focusing because it was just pouring rain, and you could hear it against the windows, and you could hear it on the roof. And so I threw out my lesson, and I said, you know what? We're going to do something different. (laughs) And I opened up all the windows. I opened the door. I turned the lights out, and I said, I want you to find a comfortable place. And um, whatever that looks like, you can put your head down. You can lay on the floor. Uh, wherever you're comfortable and I'm gonna uh, we're just gonna listen to the rain for five minutes and no one's gonna talk Um, we're just gonna listen and I did I turned off the lights and for five minutes is a long time oh oh, definitely try getting like 30 seconds of of silence without a kid laughing or something like that right exactly so we listened to the rain and then I turned on the lights and I said okay now write or draw about what you heard. And it was really powerful. Like kids came up with poems and some great drawings. And um, it was, I thought, you know, I kind of brought it around and tied it up with a bow so they didn't go home and tell their parents stories. But um, (laughs) about um, how, you know, you can experience your world and then represent that in uh, a written form or a visual form. And Mm -hmm. I just, I really liked it because it was one of those times where I felt confident enough as a teacher to not do the lesson plan, but instead to pay attention to the terrain and what was happening and find a way to make it work for Mm -hmm. us as students rather than keep fighting the environment. I love it. Yep. So for all those teachers out there listening, you don't always have to go exactly to to script. Well, Patricia, I can't think of a better story or way to uh, end the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on. I mean, you've done so much. Your current position, program coordinator for the North Coast Teacher Inductive Program. You have your master's. You have your doctorate. You served as principal, vice principal. have done so much in education. So I really appreciate you taking the time and come on to the podcast and share some of that information with other listeners out there. You are so welcome, Justin. It was my pleasure. Thanks again for hosting me. Yes, most definitely. All right, this is the Teacher Resource Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Savasso, and thank you for listening.